This edition of Farming the Countryside is brought to you by Pivot BioProven 40 OS. The nitrogen you need, now on seed. Learn more at pivotbio.com. And by Nationwide and their farm certified agents. Where might your farm and home not be protected? Go to nationwide.com slash Andrew for answers to help protect your next. Welcome to Farming the Countryside. I'm Andrew McRae. The Dalton family farms in Ohio, and some innovative changes they've made in their operation have helped them take advantage of new market opportunities. Those changes have allowed another family member to work on the farm and have boosted profits and built a local customer base as well. It's our topic for this week's Farming the Countryside, brought to you by Pivot Bio. Corn harvest is well underway on our farm, and for the past four seasons, I've been using Pivot Bio Proven 40 on my corn to help provide nitrogen to that corn when it needs it. You've heard me talk about Pivot Bioproven products that contain naturally occurring microbes that fix nitrogen from the air and provide it directly to corn plants all season long. That predictability is available right on the corn seed. Pivot Bioproven 40 on seed gives growers even more flexibility with their nitrogen plant. It's the first on seed nitrogen, and all U.S. corn growers have access to the game changing technology. As you think about your options for your corn crop next year, I hope you'll get in touch with your local sales rep from Pivot Bio or just simply go to pivotbio.com. And this week's broadcast brought to you by Nationwide. I think all of us have some sort of insurance, and many times we purchase that insurance and then don't give it much thought after that. But that can be a big problem if you aren't protected. As a farmer and rancher, I've partnered with Nationwide, the number one farm insurer in the U.S. Founded by farmers nearly a century ago, they're committed to keeping us safe and protected. They helped me see a lot of what I'd overlooked. And that's why I helped produce videos about some of those important topics that all of us should take a look at. Do you have protection when leasing your ground? What about a cyber or ransomware attack that can take all of your records? Have you thought about passing your farm or land on to the next generation? All are topics that we cover, and you can find those short videos at nationwide.com slash Andrew. There's no cost or anything like that, just simply short videos on important topics that I think you'll want to view as you consider your insurance needs. Just go to nationwide.com slash Andrew. Edward and Rebecca Dalton are raising not only crops and livestock, but a young family on their Ohio farm. There are so many places we could go with a discussion about their operation as they found ways to have Rebecca leave her off-farm job to work full-time on the farm. Part of that work involves a direct-to-consumer venture, which saw them recently host a very large event at their farm. There are also changes to some of the farming operations they've made as well. We tried to cover a bit of all of these topics, as I believe all of them are important, and I think you'll find some good take-home ideas as well. Edward and Rebecca Dalton join me. They farm in Ohio and also do quite a bit of direct-to-consumer work as well. Thank you both for joining me. I might begin by just having you describe where and what you farm. I believe the farm has been in the family for several generations now. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, we're uh, technically the seventh generation on our home farm here. Yes. So talk about what you do there. Is it mostly row crops, livestock? Has the farm changed over time? What, What do you do? Yep. Uh, so we're a pretty diverse operation. Uh, we have uh, we row crop around two thousand acres. A thousand of it's certified organic. A thousand of it is commercially farmed. Uh, we do around four hundred head of uh, feeder to finish cattle per year, uh, which then that is all uh, direct to market, uh, direct to consumer market, 
through our on-the-farm store that my wife runs. Is this something you transitioned into slowly over time with both the organic and the direct-to-consumer business? I'm interested in some of the, the whys and hows, if you will, behind what you did. So I guess we can go um, as far as start with the store. It's probably uh, been a slower burn, if you will. That took a little longer than the organic to transition. Um, my whole life we've raised cattle, um, but when I graduated college, we went from 100 head to 200 head kind of to make my home on the farm when I came home. Um, and then that slowly grew to 300 and then over time got up to where we are now. Um, we were doing, I would say, about half of that more pot load style. And then the other half um, was direct to consumer, halves and quarters and holes mainly. Um, and then my wife uh, was a nurse at the time or still is, I guess. Um, but we have three young sons. And she wanted to pull out of the hospital and be have a more active role on the farm um, at a time. And I said, well, the best way to do that is um, to direct our, or direct market our, all of our beef. Um, so that really probably started at seven, eight years ago to where that really started ramping up. And then it um, just slowly turned into where we actually started having hours and went down to the piece by piece cut. And then people are like, well, we don't just want your beef from a farmer. We want pork and chicken this way. Um, so it just kind of evolved and, um, that kind of became her whole baby. Rebecca, that transition you made, it sounds like you had a desire to come back to the farm. You weren't necessarily running away from something, but it sounds like running towards something good back on the farm. Right, right. No, um, definitely wanted to be home more and be, have more of an active role on the farm. And that's just kind of where it, it fit. Now he has me in a tractor and doing all that other fun stuff too, now that he's got me here. But, um, you know, working with our community and keeping all the food here local is, has been huge for me. Um, I've always kind of been in one of those fields, like as a nurse, being with the community and serving the community. And now I'm able to do that in a very different way. So with the meat you have there on the farm, are you raising that all on the farm then? You mentioned your cattle, but do you also have the chickens and hogs for the business? All of the cattle, we raise all of the beef that we sell, um, but the hogs and the chickens, we do not. So we knew that there was local farmers in the area and especially like during the time of COVID where they didn't have an outlet for their product. So they were already doing a really good job of raising hogs and chickens. And so we talked with them, we partnered up with them and we know exactly where it's coming from at all times. You know, we're only working with those, those individual farmers, um, but we're able then to keep it all local. So those you are serving then, are they mostly local customers? Are they customers looking for a certain product produced in a certain way? Do you have a typical customer? I would say most people come within um, 20 to 30 minutes of, of our farm. Uh, we are in a rural area, but yet we do have cities within 40 minutes of ourselves. So um, I, yeah, I would say about 20 to 30 minutes. Yeah, typically. Are they looking then for a specific product you have? Is it what you raise or how you raise it? What is it that's bringing them to you, I guess we should say? Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the big movement, right? To keep local and buy directly off the farm. And I think once people try meat off of the farm, it's hard for them to go back to what they may have been purchasing previously. Uh, it's probably one of the biggest things that people will tell us is, what have I been eating? And I said, well, yeah, you probably don't want to know. No. <laughs> and I don't mean that to take away from the farmers that are growing for their grocery stores, but it is just a very different experience for the consumer when they come directly to the farm, they meet the farmer, they meet the family behind that farm, and then they're able to go out back and 
the cattle too while they're here. So it has its own agritourism aspect to it as well. It's and it's the relationship I think is what a lot of drives a lot of the growth we've had over the last five years is mm-hmm. we you know we we run the store ourselves um, and they chat with us. It's one of us is in there every time you know and they people really want to. For so many years, there's been a huge disconnect, right, between the consumer and the farm. And people want that relationship again. So sharing the story and then actually meeting the people and them getting to talk to us on a weekly, bi-weekly, monthly basis. And then also meeting our children and seeing why we do what we do. And seeing that, you know, farmers aren't bad. We don't want to destroy the environment. We're doing this for our children to be able to do this. And to build that trust in that relationship. Is I think drives as much as anything is as well. Edward, you mentioned that you've been raising cattle since the time you can remember. Since you are now raising that beef for a direct-to-consumer model, did that have any change on the things you do as far as feeding and raising the cattle on the farm? No. So um, we the feeding practices have stayed basically the same. Um, but the only difference is, is because of which ties into the organic side, our commercial side, we grow all non-GMO corn just because it, it takes some confusion out between the two, the parallel operation um, or risk, I guess, if you will. But um, th- that's about the only marketing thing. When uh, prior to organic transition, we were growing non-GMO and GMO corn. Um, so now we can market directly at that. But other than that, we feed the same rations the same pellets, the same hay, the same everything. The beef you raise then, is it certified organic as well? Nope, it is not certified. Nope. Now that's actually something that we took to our customers and kind of threw it out there when we started to grow. And it was like, is that something that you guys are interested in? Um, And it turns out we didn't really have the market for it. They they were happy with what we were currently offering and didn't feel the need to have that label and that increased cost. What do you do on the processing side then? Do you have someone local that can handle the processing for you? So we have, we use multiple butchers um, to keep up with our demand and our different things that we sell. Uh, But the butcher that we use for, I would say, 90% of our beef and hogs, um, it's the same butcher we've dealt with since uh, my dad was still here farming. Um, So it's been a relationship we've had for 35 years. Um, They're about literally 15 minutes from our farm. Um, so it's been a great relationship with them as well. So if there are people who are listening to this and they're thinking about uh, maybe making the change such as you have, what would you tell them? Is there something you should consider? Would you tell them to watch out for certain things, tell them to do this unless they live close to you and are competitor? Any advice that you would have to share? No, I would say, no, well, to your second point, don't do it close to us. Um, it doesn't worry us as much. Uh, we found there's so many people that want to buy this way that there is not even close to a saturated market. Um, so that that I'm not worried about in any area for anybody. Um, I would say do it. it it's hard sometimes because there's dealing with the public on a daily basis is not always easy. That's way more my wife's thing than me. Um, putting yourself, you know, we do most of it through social media or advertising. Um, so that my whole life on the internet has changed because um, just I think as most farmers, we don't share um, like a lot of people do. Um, so that's been probably the most challenging part for me. And then the public at your farm every week, having the store at your farm to where, you know, when you're trying to harvest or plant and, you know, you got this whole other operation going on, that's probably been some challenging stuff, but I would say definitely do it. Um, it, it I would say, um, if it's something you're interested in doing, talk to your local health departments too. 
because across the country, across the different states, and even within our state in the different counties, there seems to be some differences. So make sure that, you know, if it's, you know, something you're looking at doing, talk with your local health department, see what the regulations that they require are, um, because they tend to um, take it a little better if you ask for, you know, their permission for things or help instead of, um, you know, apologizing later for not following them. Rebecca, has the transition been what you wanted it to be as far as quality of life, economics of life, and so forth? Because this was certainly a change for you coming out of nursing and going back uh, to the farm. Uh, a huge change. I would have never thought I would have been doing this. I mean, 20 years ago when I started as a nurse. Um, but, I mean, working side by side with my husband, how how much better can it get, right? Um, that has its challenges alone. We work very differently. Um, but absolutely, I mean, I don't think there's any better way than having your own business that you know at the end of the day, the hours that you're putting in is directly affecting your family and being able to be home with my children more and be at their events as long as we're not in the fields or something like that has definitely, it's exactly where I want to be. Now, did I understand correctly, you recently hosted an event there at the farm? We did. So we had a uh, farm-to-table, on-the-farm meal. Uh, meal, And uh, it was actually inspired by uh, our good friend Ron out in Wyoming. Uh, we went out and spent a couple of days on his ranch out there. He had a very similar event, so we knew we had to bring that back to Ohio. And uh, that event, um, we focused three main things, I would say, and one was uh, all local. You know, everything that was sourced for the meal, down to the chef, to the food, to the even the alcohol that was served, was all local Ohio-based stuff. Uh, we wanted to, to focus on networking because some of the most pivotal things we've ever done for our farm is in those situations and meeting farmers from other areas or just meeting people you would have never met. And then also bringing some consumers in um, or the public, if you will, um, to meet with farmers that they would not ever talk to. So those, you know, connecting the farmer to the consumer, uh, connecting farmers that would have never met and then just showcasing local was the main reason we had our event and what we had on the farm. Yeah. And even our, our butchers were present too, which was a pretty cool thing to have them showcased and thanked and be a part of it. So describe how it worked then. Did you sell tickets to this? Could anybody come? How, how did it work? So uh, we sold tickets. Um, so we sold around a uh, hundred, well, we sold a hundred tickets and then we ended up with a little more. We had about 130 people. Um, so it was a ticketed event. Um, we had an appetizer hour at the beginning, um, and then we went and uh, ate dinner through, uh, through our grain setup. Uh, we had tables and lights, and it was really neat. And then we had a local chef come in and prepare steaks from our farm, a local pierogi that we sell in our store, sweet local sweet corn, um, and a local salad. We had our dinner, and then we went back. We had one of our uh, barns set up, um, and then we had a local uh, gentleman that does a really good job come in and sing. Um, and it was just like a big social couple hours and after the dinner. Do you see this as an annual event then? Is it a way to generate money for the farm? Or do you see it mostly as publicity for what you do? And how do you see it fitting in going forward? Depends who you ask. <laughs> it was a lot of work, um, but it was worth it. I mean, we everybody loved it that was here and was like, so when is the next one? They can't wait to, and they're like, we want to be on the first list so that we can get our ticket and make sure we get our spot. Um, I think we'll have to do it again, for sure. 
Um, it's still fresh because we just did it a couple weeks ago. So we're still recovering, I think. Um, but it's definitely something that was very well received. It was. And it went really, really well. For you, is it a way then to extend what you do in order to gain more revenue? Or is it a way to expose more potential customers to what you do? I, you know, we, we did not go, we were hoping to break even. That was our goal. But then, um, like I said, I think our goal too, main goal was that somebody made a connection that night for some reason, in some way for either them, whether it comes back to be a customer or it helps their business or it, they take it and say, I got to actually meet a farmer and talk about anything, you know? So I don't think we were looking for a profit necessarily, but in a game somehow, some way on that end, if that makes sense. What do you see down the road? Do you continue to do what you do or are there other ways to branch out and serve more customers? Um, pretty much our goal for 2023 was to maintain where we're at because we knew at some point, you know, there's been so much growth. And then with COVID and everything happening, we really, a lot of things exploded. Um, but we knew that that at some point was going to kind of slow down. So our goal for this year has been to maintain. And um, at this point, I think that's where we're at. We've talked about expanding, um, but that requires, you know, more investing and more labor and, and all of that. So um, if you ask me today, I'm still sticking with the maintain. <laughs> and you've got to get those boys a little bit older, right? Right. I've seen the pictures on your website, which you do a nice job with, by the way. It looks like your boys are still uh, pretty young, maybe elementary school age. We have uh, we have twin ten year olds, and then our youngest Simon is just about turned six. You, you mentioned the social media side. What have you had to do on that? Because as farmers, many of us would say, "I don't want to deal with social media," but now you kind of have to, right? Yeah. So the social media is is mainly me. It's never me. <laughs> Rarely. He he's getting better about getting me content and videos and pictures, and and then I'll put something together. But um. It's really just sharing and just being open and honest with people. And that um, builds that connection. And then they feel like they can trust us and come to us. And, and we just I just had a message right before we got on this call about somebody saw something and they wondered if it was actually true or not. So they wanted to reach out to us because they trust us as a source of whether this is fake, real, and should they you know believe in, in what they saw. And that is why we do it. Edward, before we run out of time, I'm interested in some of your farming practices. You have transitioned into some organic production. Did that predate this move into the direct-to-consumer meats that you have there on the farm? <laughs> um, so, no, the direct-to-consumer stuff had started before we transitioned into the organic side. Um, the reason we transitioned, there's a few reasons, um, but we were kind of floundering as a purpose as a farm at the time. Um, we were not making money, um, on our grain side. Um, and you know, we're struggling to work as hard as we were to break even or not break even at the time. And actually we chatted about Ron, our, my, our friend, mutual friend. Um, we met him at a conference and we were talking about taking our direct consumer beef, uh, transitioning some to organic. And obviously he's a large organic farmer. We were just chatting and he said, well, if that side's doing well, why don't you change the side that isn't doing well? And I never really thought about it in that retrospect, right? Then, uh, you know, he said, maybe take some of your acres and turn them organically and do some niche stuff. And that that's what started us down that world um, in organic grain farming. 
Um, it was nothing, as Rebecca said, if you asked me 20 years ago, if we'd ever be organic farmers, I would, I would not say yes. You know, it was, that was never an ambition or a goal, but, um, it's just there to be sustainable, you have to be profitable. And that's what took us down that was the profitability side of the organic farming. Did you have ready-made markets there then for the grain or are you simply sending it on to a processor? What happens to the grain you raise there? Um, so off our farm, we're actually, we're in a unique location in Ohio. We have four organic buyers all within a hundred miles. So we're actually in a pretty good spot, um, as far as buyers. Um, and, um, that's part of the organic world. I've liked the first few years is because the marketing is very different. It's more farmer approached marketing rather than a Chicago board of trade style of marketing. Um, but then it's kind of the wild, wild west too. So the first few years, uh, beans and corn were great this year. Um, with a bunch of imports of organic, uh, this year has been a bit more of a struggle as far as pricing and getting rid of my product. Um, so that's kind of been a little bit different for us this year. I think you mentioned that about half of the farm is organic. Is the idea that you will eventually transition all of it or what do you see ahead for the land? I think if you would have asked me my first year in organics, I would have said yes, probably. Um, now being into it for five years, probably not. Um, there's been some serious challenges with the parallel operation that I didn't think we would have as far as timing. I would thought we'd be able to use the same equipment, same guys, and uh, manage it better. So I think where we're at right now, um, I don't want more or less. I think we're at a good number right now. Um, we have a couple of fields actually we're going to pull out of next year um, just for the simple fact that it's not working. Um, just specifically a couple of fields, it's not working how I think it'll work, nor will it. Um, so... Just because we went organic on some of our acres, I don't feel that we will be forever or never. You know, I think it's it's going to be an annual basis like any decision should be. Um, and a couple of our farms have proven that I just, I think we can do a better job commercially farming them than organically farming them. And I think they, that we always will be able to. That's interesting that you look at the farm that way, that some acres work better than others. Is there any certain thing you've found that makes some acres work better on organic production for you? Um, definitely close to home. Um, anything that's far away, as many trips as we're making, you know, whether it's cultivation, weed zapping, flaming, you know, any of those specialty, all those trips, you know, we have one farm that we could do very well organic, but it is farther away just logistically to send a tractor up there multiple times over and over again when, you know, so, and then we have other farms that are highly erodible farms that I'm like, now that we've been in it, I don't like to see the erosion that we were doing with it, with all the tillage. So it's just kind of, you know, a little bit of everything. Um, a little bit wetter farm, I can do a better job commercially than I can organically. I, you know, it's just kind of feeling that out and playing that on what, what how we can treat the field the best either way. Right, right. Before we wind up, tell people how they find you on the internet because you have a store and people may be interested in getting in touch. Um, Dalton Farms LLC, pretty much on every platform. Um, we're on Facebook, Instagram, some TikTok, if I get him to take videos for me periodically. Um, and we just have a website, daltonfarmsllc.com, um, that can kind of link you to all of those as well. Um, and that has information about the meat barn is what we call it, even though it's located inside of Green Bin. We, um, we kept the name once it moved into a Green Bin. Um, so, yeah, you can find us. The meat I saw in the picture looked really good. Good marbling. Is, is that especially there? We think so. Yep. 
people, we we haven't had anybody ever return it, so we we've been pretty happy with it. So, well, good, good, and I hope people listening to this will will seek you out and want to learn more. Perhaps stop by your store, or even attend one of your events in person. I appreciate the time. Great ideas to share with what you're doing there. Thank you so much. Thanks. Be sure to check out Dalton Farms on social media. You'll find lots of great videos, pictures, and ideas of what they're doing on their Ohio farm. Thanks for listening to this week's show. Remember, you can follow Farming the Countryside and our daily show, American Countryside, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Just type in Farming the Countryside or American Countryside. And you can hear these broadcasts in a number of ways on many local radio stations, on your favorite podcast platform, or at farmingthecountryside.com. If you miss one of our shows, just go to farmingthecountryside.com where you can go into our archives and search past shows and topics of interest. We try to have a variety of guests to provide information impacting many parts of the ag industry. I appreciate you joining me. I'm Andrew McCray. I'll catch you next time on Farming the Countryside. This edition of Farming the Countryside has been brought to you by Pivot BioProven 40 OS. The nitrogen you need, now on seed. Learn more at pivotbio.com. And by Nationwide and their farm certified agents. Where might your farm and home not be protected? Go to nationwide.com slash Andrew for answers to help protect your next.